Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, everybody. Nice to be here. My name is Doris, and I am an addict and a compulsive eater, and I think I'm addicted to sugar as well. And um, thank you so much, Nyla, for asking me to share today on the third tradition. Um, As is my way, I reviewed a lot of the literature on the third tradition and was kind of excited by some of the things that I heard in um, tradition three in um, the AA 12 by 12. But let me just first start to welcome the person who's new to the meeting. Um, If you... uh, have a problem with food, you're in the right place. And um, to qualify, I um, started eating compulsively when I was very small and um, had the experience of using food to dull my feelings. Um, I know some people don't think um, about food as an emotional issue, but um, it certainly was and is for me and I use it or want to use it or used it as a solution to large feelings to not feel them. And it was pretty effective at numbing me. So I'm grateful to be here and I'm grateful for tradition three because I'm qualified to be here. Um, So I really love the OA literature. Um, I feel like it's very sophisticated and it's taken a lot out of the literature from other programs that um, maybe failed to quite meet the mark for inclusivity. Um, And I just love the sophisticated way that our committees have arrived at this great literature that we have. But I really like something in tradition three in the AA 12 by 12 that is missing a little bit. And they, they talk about how they came up with this idea for making this the only requirement for AA membership. And initially they went out and had the groups, our foundation office asked each group to send in a list of its protective regulations. The total list was a mile long. If all those rules had been in effect everywhere, nobody could have possibly joined AA at all. So great was the sum of our anxiety and fear. So I can kind of imagine what it was like to have this, you know, fledgling organization and try to figure out who they were going to let in. Not me, that's for sure. Um, how could we guess that all those fears were to prove groundless? And that whole idea that um, that comes up in AA more than OA, I think, is of um, that people are mixing that wouldn't normally mix. And they talk a little bit about diversity in here. And I always sort of get a little ache in my heart. I heard a speaker at this meeting talk about being the only one who looked like them at the meeting. And that made my heart ache. I spent my early life working as an engineer and I was always the only woman. And um, it's so stressful. Um, I don't even completely understand why, but it is to be um, a unique face in a crowd. So the answer now seen in tradition three was simplicity itself. At last, the experience taught us that to take away any alcoholic's full chance was sometimes pronounce his death sentence and often to condemn them to endless misery. Who dared to be judge, jury, and executioner of his own sick brother? 
So this idea that we get to decide whether we belong here or not is something I really liked and something they, and I won't go on with the AA literature, but something they also focus on in, in the AA literature is that we don't judge that other people belong here. We belong here and that's where it ends. And I like that. I like the idea that I don't point at someone else and say, oh, you should go to OA, that's none of my business. Or just like I wouldn't point at someone and say they were an alcoholic. Um, that boundary gets a little bit edgy, I think, in Al-Anon, but we'll leave that for that program to deal with. Um, so when I first came to OA, it was back in the late 80s, and I ended up in a circle of groups where you had to have a specific kind of abstinence and 30 days of it to speak. And I just couldn't do that. I tried and tried and tried and felt really bad about myself. And I got involved in service to a ridiculous extreme. And I tried to do all the things I knew you needed to do to make, uh, to try to make, to try to get clean. And um, I failed um, to achieve that. I was, I'm not gonna tell you why I failed to achieve it. We all know that we can't do things sometimes. Um, so uh, in 2017, um, a friend said that she was working an OA program and that she had designed her own food plan. And I was like, hmm, that might work for me. And I came back and I've been here ever since. And I was allowed to speak at my first meeting and no one ever told me, no one ever gave me a diet to follow. And when I went with, met with my sponsor the first time, I was in great fear. Um, and she wanted me to call her in the morning with my food plan, which I just thought, my God, I have to decide in the morning when I'm going to eat all day. And I just, I was like, oh, she gave me a list of things she asked me to do in order to be her sponsee. And I could do all of them except that one you know, go to so many meetings and blah, 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 be in service and read and write and do all the things sponsors ask us to do. But this idea of committing to what I was going to eat all day in the morning just seemed um, impossible to me. And I didn't. And she said, well, just call me at the end of the day and tell me what you ate. And I, I could do that. And after two weeks, I realized I became willing really quickly. Thank you, higher power to call my food in in the morning. And having a food plan has been such an integral tool for me in getting abstinent. Um, and at five years, I still plan my food in the morning. And I mean, it's just, it's such just a really practical idea for me at least to take it out of the freezer. You know, if six o'clock comes along and what I want to eat for dinner is frozen, that's a bit of an impediment. And so I don't have that problem anymore. Um, very often, I still have that problem once in a while, but, um, you know, so I'm not constantly going for takeout. Um, and it leads to a healthier, healthier diet. Not that I can't eat a healthy meal out, but um, anyway, so I'm very grateful that there's no longer that. And it's, it talks about it. I'm kind of jumping ahead. It talks about it. Yeah, so on page, well, on the online version on page 185, over the years, many OA groups have had participation requirements other than the simple desire to stop eating compulsively. In some, for instance, a person had to follow a certain food plan for a certain number of days in order to share in the meeting. In others, a person needed permission from a sponsor to share. The question arose, is this not a breach of the third tradition? If people must meet special requirements in order to have a voice in the meeting, Aren't they being denied effective membership in the group? And I'm assuming, Doris, someone's timing me. Thanks. Um, 
generally, the group conscience of OA as a whole has agreed with this interpretation of Tradition 3, but there has been much discussion on this point. After all, the autonomy of groups is also closely guarded OA tradition, and groups having those kinds of requirements have been vital to the recovery of many of our members. In votes at the World Service Business Conferences, blah, 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 delegates sought to formulate a way of dealing with this issue that would protect the autonomy of meetings and at the same time make sure that all compulsive overeaters can feel welcome in our fellowship. The policy statement reads, Overeaters Anonymous respects the autonomy of each OA group. We do suggest, however, that any group which imposes a special purpose, task, or guideline should inform its members that this special purpose, task, or guideline does not represent OA as a whole. The only requirement for membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Anyone who says they are a member is a member. We of Overeaters Anonymous welcome all members with open arms. And this is where the little inclusivity, inclusivity comment came in. Additional support of Tradition 3 is shown in the adopted unity with diversity policy, policy which encourages and promotes acceptance and inclusivity. A key point is the reminder that any member be allowed to share his or her experience, strength, and hope in meetings, regardless of their individual approach or specific concepts the member may follow. And I'm really grateful for that. I remember feeling confused uh, about the way people looked and then what they shared. And um, so I went to the Saturday night speaker meeting for a long time because you get more information about people there They and you can ask them questions. And I found that very useful in sort of dispelling my ideas about who's a member and who isn't a member because I had judgments about it. And um, I just found it very interesting that there are some people who lost 200 pounds and some people where weight loss wasn't an issue. And it was really helpful for me to take weight loss off the table in my own thinking about my abstinence and my recovery in recognizing that there are people that didn't have the same necessarily weight issue that I had, or they had a different weight issue than I had. And that weight wasn't the issue. It, it's the way we view food and our compulsivity towards it, whether that's the compulsion to overeat or the compulsion to undereat or the compulsion to bend, to purge. Um, uh, I, I liked kind of clearing my own head of those ideas and the way I was judging people, not necessarily saying they were bad or good, but wondering, like, how, how are you a member? Um, so on page, also on page 185, it says, when every person is respected and treated lovingly, the group survives and emerges stronger than ever from the experience. I love that that's a goal. Uh, that's, that would, that I would like to, as I highlighted this when I was reviewing it, to come and see you guys this morning, I was thinking, oh, that might be a good goal for my life in general. Um, so... And this is true, of course, in OA as well. No person who has this desire can be barred from any OA group. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, I already spoke to this, but the answer is there is no weight requirements of any kind in OA, which I really like. And I remember um, some outsider, I don't remember exactly what the context was, but someone said to me, oh, you know, they're overweight. How can they be abstinent? And um, again, it's not about weight. Um, I also like this, although it doesn't really speak to what, what 
the topic as I seem to be developing it today in my share. Does this, so it's the beginning of a paragraph on page 183. Um, so it's talking about the requirements of being a member. And does this mean the steps, traditions, and concepts and tools aren't important because it was saying individuals don't have to follow those to be a member? No, they are the vital difference between OA and all other ways we have tried to deal with our compulsive eating. So it's always a challenge for me when people tell me about their diets or when they ask me how I lost weight and they want to know what my diet is. No, no, no. What are you eating? And um, what's the food? You know, you know, is it grapefruits? Is it this? Is it that? Um, that um, the difference is that we work the steps and we follow the traditions and the concepts. And that, I like the idea, I'm gonna be thinking about that. I hadn't really thought about that before, that that is really the difference between this and all those paid for diet groups besides paying for them, um, is this idea that um, this is a physical, emotional and spiritual program. And those programs are physical, I think. If we were to define them, I, if someone, feels differently about that, that's okay too. Um, uh, I like that idea that um, when I'm desperate, um, I go to you or I go to my higher power. Um, and when I'm confronted by what seems like an unsolvable problem that might lead me into the emotional state where I think being numb would be a good option, which leads me to eating, that I go to I go to the steps and I come to meetings and I try to practice these principles um, long before I'm at that place where I'm standing in front of the refrigerator as or going to the store as my solution. Um, so there are many opinions among us about what it means exactly to stop eating compulsively. Nobody is excluded from OA membership because of his or her personal opinion on how to achieve abstinence. So my home group is the 9 a.m. Saturday, what used to be the El Cerrito group, which is now becoming the Albany group. If we ever go live again, we found a new place in Albany for our meeting. And you know, over the years, people have talked specifically about what they eat and how their food plan is designed. And oh my goodness, I've had so many opinions about what other people are doing and how it's different than what I'm doing. And am I doing the right thing based on what they're doing? And la, 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 um, left to my own devices, my brain just goes in places I would like to pull it away from. But I like that it's included specifically that, um, they can be eating the way they're eating and be abstinent and that what you eat doesn't define your abstinence. It's um, moving towards or maintaining a healthy weight and not eating compulsively. I love that definition. Gave me such peace because um, a healthy weight for me is different than a healthy weight for other people. I've been a big person my whole life. Um, I was a cheerleader in high school and I was the base of the pyramid. You know, I had a place, but I've always been a big muscly person. Part of the reason why the diet I was given when I first came to OA didn't work for me. It just wasn't enough food for me. Um, I was playing competitive ultimate Frisbee at the time on a nationally ranked team. I was probably running between 30 and 40 miles a week before I started playing the sport. I just needed a lot more food than that. And um, I have a lot of 
I went shopping yesterday and this is a little off topic, but shopping is so hard for me because for many years I would buy anything that fit me. It fits me, I'm buying it. And um, I haven't changed that much. I'm smaller than I was when I got here. I've lost and maintained a 45 pound weight loss, but um, I'm still a very big person. And a lot of people would look at me and say, oh, you still need to lose a few girl. And they certainly say that to me occasionally, but going and, and clothes have become easier. There, there are more clothes available that are larger, but I still fall into that mentality of buying anything that fits me. And I specifically needed, needed a jacket for a certain type of dressing for dressing up. I get dressed up and I look at my sweatshirts and say, oh, that's not gonna work on top of this dress. But anyway, um, I have such a hard time waiting for something that I like. Like I ended up buying a jacket yesterday that fit me, uh, but I don't really like it. I'm going to take it back. And so there's been this process at 65 where I'm learning how to shop and I'm, I'm learning that I don't have to buy it just because it buttons up, up, up the front of me. Um, and that's been a real gift of abstinent. I am this size. My cardiologist says I'm a good weight. My primary care doctor says I'm a good weight. And so when I have this judgment, when I, I went shopping yesterday with a friend who fits into children's clothes and I love her, she's a great gal and she, she thinks I'm beautiful, but you know, she's shopping at one end of the spectrum and I'm shopping at the, at the other in, you know, because we define women now between, you know, stores don't carry anything above my size. It's crazy. I'm sorry. I have a lot of opinions about this whole thing. But, um, <laughs> Hi, Doris. I, I think you have about five minutes left. Great. Good. Thank you so much. Um, anyway, thank you. That was a good interruption. I was getting, I was going down an alley. I can, I can bring myself back from. Anyway, I'm grateful that I have awareness and that um, I've been included in this group for five years and no one's ever asked me to leave. And no one's ever said, no, you can't talk. I like talking. It's probably obvious to you guys at this point. Um, I'm very grateful for that. Oh my gosh. I have to put that on my gratitude list today. I have some things that show up on my gratitude list every day. That should be one of them, that I'm a member and in full standing and that I can do service. And there are no service positions that I'm inhibited from occupying because of the way I eat. Um, so this is a good one that I, th I think it may be the last thing I highlighted. It's on page 189. Um, in OA, we've learned that people can differ with us on important matters and still be loving and supportive friends. So I'll conclude with, um, some of you may have been involved in the conflict that happened a couple of years ago and in our organization. And I went back and forth about my opinion about how I would vote on our conflict. And I had some heated discussions with friends about the conflict. And um, I love that this was the standard. We've learned that people can differ with us on important matters and still be loving and supportive friends. I had, there was this woman who had come into my home group who I was very attracted to in terms of maybe I was looking for a sponsor at the time and, um, she approached me after the meeting to ask me something about this conflict that was going on. Had I gotten this email or that email? I don't remember what it was. And at the time I felt strongly 
about one side of the argument and she felt strongly about the other side. And we had a rather heated discussion that was very polite. And I loved that we had that heated discussion that was very polite and we disagreed with each other and it didn't have any impact on our relationship. And I eventually ended up agreeing with her. And then I think I went back and forth for during the whole time. And I never had to make a decision because I didn't go to the vote when it was placed in front of intergroup, but um, I loved that concept. So I'm really looking forward to hearing from you guys today. Nyla, thank you so much for inviting me to come. And um, I hope you'll all enjoy the lovely rain we're gonna have this afternoon. Thanks. Thank you, Doris. Great.